0: Let's look ahead to week 16. It is trade deadline week in the NBA. Big fellas, Michael Bolton, are you ready? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I'm going to be asking the big question like, is Taylor Swift a front for a covert political operation? I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Double bang. Listen to the audio, watch the video, vice versa. Give it a thumbs up, leave a comment on the video. But also, of course, the biggest one we've got with we triple bang. Because the trade deadline show is coming up. We're six days away. We're talking Thursday, February 8, 1 p.m. Eastern. You'll get notifications if you go and hit that bell, and if you go on pre-bang as well. We want to hit 1,500 pre-likes. If you can go do that, it'll be awesome. Uh, and join us for the fun, the frivolity uh, of whatever is going down on that day. Just a quick update on what will happen on that day. We'll do the live trade deadline show. We'll go a little bit past the deadline. I will then go and make all of the adjustments I need over at Basketball Monster. I'll then come back with a a full um, recap show on the trade deadline in terms of once we've sat down and everything's come through, because live reactions, it's hard to give every sort of opinion on it. We'll come back and do a full reaction. And then for some idiotic reason, the NBA has decided to schedule nine games on that day. And usually the games on the day of the trade deadline don't tell us much for fantasy because there's so many players that uh, have been moved and are unavailable. And you've got the, the dregs of the bench playing significant minutes for a lot of different teams. But with nine games, and I'm probably going to have to talk about something on that day because there's going to be things that are interesting and then we've got to pay attention to what happens with um, you know, who's available, who's not for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that week as well. It's going to be a messy day. Uh, it's going to be a busy day, I know, for me, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that is coming out, so be aware of that. Let's take a look at uh, the week ahead. We're talking trade deadline, week 16, as I said, but like I mentioned yesterday, just remember save your waiver ads within reason. Big trade happens early in the week, use a move if you need to. Big injury happens, use a move if you need to. Don't bother streaming, start of the week. Save your waiver ads. We are going to absolutely burn that into our heads. You can have a different theory on it That is okay. Everyone's free to do what they want. But that is how I would be and how I am going to be approaching the trade deadline week, week 16 in the NBA. So how does week 16 look in the NBA? What does the schedule look like? Well, it's actually pretty good. Like, this is the thing. It would be a great week for streaming if we didn't have a bloody trade deadline slapped in the middle of it. We've got six games on Monday. We've got seven on Tuesday, seven on Wednesday, nine on Thursday. Again, why we have nine on Thursday, I will never know. I feel like in the past we would get three de- three games on a trade deadline, a two-gamer, and that is what we usually get on a Thursday anyway, but then we've gone, nah. We're breaking with anything that we've done all season, low-volume Thursday, we're breaking with everything that we've done in the past on the deadline, where players are going to be moving and things being upheaved, if that's not a real word, but teams having to adjust game plans because they've lost two players due to a trade or whatever, and we're going to chuck nine games on. Some of the most idiotic scheduling you will find. I don't mind they've got six on Friday. It's good to have a lower volume Friday as players relocate and we try and figure out what's going on. We've got a busy 11-game Saturday. That's probably our only non-streaming day, although, again, we're going to be in situations where maybe you have the ability to stream. I don't even remember exactly how fantasy sites handle players who have been traded. I believe that some of them give them IL eligibility because those players get ruled out. So if you're running IL Plus on Yahoo, if you're running on Fantrax, you can put those guys into IL. I also believe that on ESPN's system, um, as long as it's not listed game time decision, you will get uh, IR eligibility. So you can chuck those guys into IR there too, which means that on a Saturday with 11 games on, while normally we wouldn't consider it a streaming day, if we've got uh, some players who are out due to trades, we can put those guys into the IL. We have uh, a few more guys that won't be available necessarily to play maybe on our roster. So streaming on Saturday is a possibility. That's obviously going to depend on your individual roster, your individual roster size, your individual league rules, plus who you've got that is involved in trades or not involved in trades or whatever. And then Super Bowl Sunday, we have got just the two games on. That is very normal. Two early games. They wrap up before the Super Bowl starts. That is how the NBA always handles the Super Bowl. It's great for me. Get my work done. Go watch the Super Bowl done. Ready. Love it. Uh, fantastic in that respect. Let's um, look at how it shakes out in terms of games played for the week. Last week, it was a relatively... or well, this week, current week, week 15, was relatively heavy. Week 16 is a little bit lighter in total games. We've only got 10 teams that play four games for the week. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Cleveland, Dallas, Golden State, the Pelicans, the Sixers, the Sacramento Kings, and the Raptors all play four games for the week. There are 10 teams that do that. There are 16 teams, so the vast majority yes, vast majority, play 16 games. So Jesus Christ, that's a lot of games for a week. They play three games for the week. Boston, Chicago, Detroit, Houston, Indiana, Clippers, Lakers, Grizzlies, Heat, Bucks, Knicks, Thunder, Magic, Suns, Spurs, and Wizards all play three games for the week. So you'll notice that that is 26 teams that we've accounted for, meaning that we have got the two-game weeks returning. We had no two-game weeks last week. We've got four teams playing two games this week. Denver, Minnesota, Portland, and Utah, and you might say, that's that's terrible. I've got all these players from these teams. A two-game week kills me. It doesn't hurt you as much when the majority of the league plays three games, which is what is happening this week. So you've got 16 teams that play three. So yeah, your two-game team is at a disadvantage and your four-game team's got a big advantage. But if we had 20 teams that were playing four games for the week, your two-game guys would be in a much worse spot. It's not quite as bad this week. And most of the stars on those teams... You're going to be able to start in a weekly format. Um, Yeah, again, the daily changes value drops more significantly, but what are you going to do? This is a weird weird week. Remember, it's a weird week. It's trade deadline week. There is going to be, if you lose this week and you've got a strong team, don't worry. That's what happens. There are absences. There are preservation of waiver moves that, again, we are going to continue to stress that all come into consideration. So a little bit like week one, where you try and keep things as competitive as you can, but it's almost like a transition point in the season where you're trying to set up for the rest of the year. And if you take a 5-4 loss or a, a narrow points league loss, which is not ideal, obviously... Um, then that's this is the week where it's a little bit more acceptable because if you make the right moves here, you can set yourself off to be stronger 17, 18, 19, 20, all the way through to the rest of the season. Sometimes the short-term sacrifice, which is hard for a lot of people to do, um, can pay off more in the long-term. And that's, again, the way that I'm going to be approaching um, this week for fantasy basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the beginning of 2024, which is where we're at, Having success can be really like it's we all want it. We all want success, right? And one of the big things that you can do as a small business owner or manager um, to have that success, to take your business to the next level is hire the correct staff. And LinkedIn is the place. LinkedIn jobs helps you give you the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than one billion, billion with a B professionals. And that gets your job in front of the right people fast. In fact, over 86% of small businesses say that within 24 hours, they get a qualified candidate responding to their job by using the LinkedIn jobs. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Small businesses do so many different things. If you're an owner, of a small business, you've got to be a HR person. You've got to do the hiring. You've got to do marketing. You've got to do front-facing customer stuff. There's so much stuff that you have to do and sometimes hiring can slide behind, but it's one of the more important things and having these tools at LinkedIn Jobs helps you be more successful at it. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. 2024, we we are all doing things differently. That's how everything goes in life. And sometimes we just need that opportunity to get something off our chest, whether it's big or small, certain things, it can start to build up. It can start to get to you. And therapy is something where you can uh, able to get those things off your chest to somebody in your life who is unbiased. So if you want to say like something that you can't say to others because of whatever it is, Therapy is a way to get that stuff off your chest, get it out to somebody who has an unbiased view and give you feedback, give you opinions. That is part of what therapy can do. So like in this this um, yeah LinkedIn thing, they're saying, well, you know, if you've got an issue with like a trade, your team trades away your favorite player. Maybe you're a Raptors fan. You're like, man, I hated what they did to Pascal Siakam, but you don't want to talk to your friends about it or your family, but they're going to get over it at sports. But you know that sport is like, an important thing to all of us, especially all of you legends up in Canada. So, you can go to a therapist and it might seem trivial to you, but trivial things add up. And speaking to someone who's trained to deal with this stuff and trained to talk to you and be that person who listens to you with an unbiased view, well, that's where therapy comes in. So, if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Go to betterhelp.com slash You get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp.com slash NBA. Okay, let's move on to the next part of the show. We're talking quality games. Remember, I'm going to be giving you information regarding streaming for this week because I'm going to provide the information. I'm not going to come out here and tell you, don't make any waiver moves. Save your waiver moves Monday through Wednesday. And, I'm, and then I'm going to say, well, I'm not going to actually tell you what's going on on the schedule. Um, I'm going to hide it from you because I don't want you to do it. That's not what this is about. I will tell you my suggestion, which of course is don't use your waiver wads, uh, wa- waiver, waiver wire ads to begin the week. But I'm also going to give you the information, if you want to, where we can approach this or how we approach it, sort of. The Kings have four quality games for the week. That is the best schedule of any team for the week. Four quality games. Good for them. Well done. The Blazers have the worst. One quality game out of their two-game schedule. So that's obviously terrible. So, yeah, again, if you were considering, what do I do with Scoot Henderson, for example? What am I doing with Jabari Walker? Do I look to a Tamani Kamara or Matisse Thibel? Do they have value this week? Well, you know, can I get two games? Well, maybe not, because one of their games is on Saturday which is not particularly strong, but everything we're looking at this week, again, is a little bit more forward-focused. So having a guy like a Harrison Barnes on your team, in fact, having a guy like a Harrison Barnes, Barnesy, mm-hmm. might be a good thing. Same as Fan Pants, Kevin Herter. Same as the resurgence of Leaky Monk in the last game. Because you at least have that guy on your roster who you'll be able to play four times on the low-volume days without burning a waiver wire ad, which again is what I think we should be trying to do. So that's value in doing that with the Kings player. There's only the one non-quality game day. We're talking about that. That's Saturday. Look, with the 11 games on, but that might turn in to a quality game depending on how things adjust due to the deadline. There are four teams who play three quality games who are only three-game teams. Boston, the Lakers, the Heat, and the bucks they only play three games for the week, but all three of their games are on the low-volume days, so they avoid playing on Saturday. <clears throat> like I said with the Kings, there's only one team that plays all of their games as a four-game team on quality games. Now, of course, there's only one day that's not a stream day. Every four-game team, therefore, has three quality games. Every other three-game team has two quality games. That's the only way it can go. So, again, the advantage there is with Sacramento... The 3 game advantage is Boston Lakers Miami and the Bucks. The 1 game disadvantage is Portland. Whereas the other 3 game teams, your Jazz, your Wolves and the Nuggets are all in a better spot than what Portland are from a streaming perspective. But we are again, I'll hit I'll hit the the graphic again. We are again looking to preserve flexibility and save our waiver wire ads. I'll use this also as an opportunity to talk about the news on Joel Embiid's injury. I don't know what is happening with the Philadelphia medical staff and why they are putting things out the way that they are. You know, he has got a meniscus flap injury. Yeah, that's a tear. Why have you avoided saying tear? Are you trying to stop scaring people? He has a meniscus tear. I don't know what this is. He's actually got an injured meniscus. And then Shams tweets out, he's got a meniscus tear. And then someone from the Sixers, 100% from the Sixers, by the way, uh, it said, Shams, don't say tear. Please retract it. So he has to go out and put a retraction treat. I'm sorry, I, I I didn't mean to say tear. Like, it's a tear. Now he's got a meniscal flap injury. Yeah, it's a tear. I don't know what is the problem here with saying that he has a meniscus tear. He has a meniscus tear. And now we still don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of information out there. Most of it is saying this reporting is ridiculous, but the other part of it is saying what do we do with, with Embiid? Like, he's got two options. It's surgery or it's non-surgical rehab. And Everything that I'm starting to read, initially, my thoughts or what I read first was that the only sort of surgery that was likely to be was a repair, which would put him out six months. Now I'm reading more that it's probably unlikely to be a repair. It's likely to be a removal of menisctomy to remove a part of the meniscus, which can be a six-week recovery. But then that six-week recovery is like a six-week recovery plus Conditioning plus getting stability back around the knee and all that sort of stuff. So, the while well, it's a six-week injury, the suggestion would be playoffs. Playoffs? In that scenario. Like maybe even not even first-round playoffs. Um, and then if you do, don't do surgery, the rehab thing might be four to six weeks on a rehab scenario. But the likelihood of it being fixed in four to six weeks is very low because the meniscus can't heal itself what you'd be hoping to do is get the symptoms to go away and be sort of a bit pain-free. But, of course, you can go straight back out onto the court and then it swells back up and the symptoms are there and you're back at square one. Or if you're out on the court, he's moving the way that he did in that Warriors game before the Camingo landed on his knee situation, which I don't think caused the meniscus tear. I'm pretty sure it was there the whole time and that's why he's been moving so slowly and having these games off. So, do you want Embiid coming back in four weeks moving like he did in that Warriors game with the risk that if it swells up again and gives him pain once more, then he then he has to undergo surgery and then that is season over. I, I don't know. I am not dropping Joel Embiid if I've got him, but I am feeling like definitely over 50%, but I would say over 80% that he does not participate in anything in the fantasy playoffs. So that, for many of you, that does, well, not many of you, a poor proportion of you who go through to the final day of the season, yep, The majority of you will go through to either the first week in April or the 24th of March, the correct date. So that's about seven weeks from now. I I really don't think we're seeing Embiid back or or even functioning at anywhere close to real value within that time. And even if he is back for like your finals, does he play two games at 26 minutes, 24 minutes? Maybe. Again, not dropping until I hear that information, but it, this all leads me back to like saying, save your ads, that Paul Reed is a very clear ad. Mo Bamba is a, a very nice 14-team league ad. Marcus Morris is probably a 16-team league ad. D'Anthony Melton, if he's available, just go and add him because he's going to return next week. Um, and then we wait and see what the news is on Embiid. But I'm I feeling, I feeling pretty confident. I would not trade for Embiid, or oh, it's a huge buy I would not do it at all. Wouldn't touch it. Um, Again, a lot of speculation because because I don't know because the information hasn't been very clear, but that's where I'm sitting with it at the moment. And to take a long path to circle back, if an injury like that occurs in the first two days of week 16 and a very clear rest of season top 100 player emerges, then yes, you do burn a waiver out on that. 100% you do without any question whatsoever. If the Embiid injury had happened this Monday coming, I wouldn't care about saving my ad for the deadline. I would add Paul Reed. That is what I would do. But for a one-game random absence so I can stream in um, Gary Trent, I wouldn't. Cool. I know that. That's pretty obvious, I think, to most people, but not to everybody. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fanju Sportsbook. Happy Super Bowl. To all of you who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. We are less... No, we're not. So less than a week. We're a little bit over a week away from getting into the Super Bowl. And, you know, you've got to organize so many things. Get your party sorted. Get your spot on the couch sorted. Get your friends organized. Get your snacks sorted. But also get ready to place some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or maybe two or maybe three. You can pick the winner of the Super Bowl, Chiefs versus the Niners. I am going to pick the Chiefs. That's going to be my pick. But I don't know about the spread yet. But you can look at that. You can look at totals. You can pick any time touchdown scorers. I'm going to take McCaffrey, I think, for that one. Um, You can choose Super Bowl MVP um, I'll take Mahomes for that one as well. So many different options over there on Fanjul. New customers you join today, you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Go to fanjul.com slash locked on to sign up. That is fanjul.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanjul, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and don't forget to gamble responsibly. Geez, I. Um I'm, just, I'm annoyed that the Sixers just won't give us the information and I have to like dig into surgical literature and read a bunch of stuff. I have the ability to decipher most of that stuff, but I'm not a surgeon. I do have a medical background, but I'm not a surgeon. And it's just annoying that to spend that much time when they could just literally come out and clearly tell us. Oh, well, that's what happens. Um, streaming, don't do it. Look, just don't do it to begin the week. It's pretty, that, that is my advice to you. You can do it if you want. You can't get three games in the first three days of the week. It's impossible. You can get two and all three of those days are streamable. That is okay. Um, But just be really cautious with what you do. Focus on the deadline moves. It's... The deadline moves, there's a lot of ways that deadline moves can happen. It's the guy getting traded to a new situation gets his value jumping up. The guy getting traded to a new situation, leaving behind an opportunity for somebody else to jump up. Or even the streaming short-term value when the players switch teams and your JT Thor has to play 40 minutes a night for two days. And that's where you go, okay. Well, there I stream that guy in, I use him. It's the Cam Thomas from last season when uh, Irving was gone and uh, Durant was gone and Bridges hadn't arrived yet and it was like four guys out and Cam Thomas had 40 points in three consecutive games and then he was DNP'd a week later. Like, I'm not saying that a Cam Thomas is going to arrive this season, but that sort of thing can jump up and get get you that short-term stream value um, over those final days of the week. Ones you have to be cautious of are again the Cam Thomas one because last season the Irving and Durant trade happened um, before the deadline. Well, I think the Irving one was maybe the Sunday or Monday, and the Durant one was the Wednesday. I'm going to say, uh, and so Thomas was able to have this that run of scoring before the deadline actually happened. But there was that expectation. Well, Cam will just keep doing it, and we can burn ads on it. And in hindsight, if you added him and got those three games in, it was it was good value, right? But it obviously had no long-term impact whatsoever. He was done. He was straight away he was he was out of the rotation when everyone else returned and played. And balancing like do that then turns in turns into a short-term stream guy. If someone's traded on Monday and someone steps up into a larger role, do you use an ad on that? Like I'd again be preferring longer-term value until the deadline actually hits. There's no team that has three games in four nights, Thursday through Sunday. That would have been a, a, a pretty strong option again, enabling you to use an ad at the start of the week if you wanted to, to try and maximize games, but it it doesn't exist. You've got to have a look. There's going to be value that opens up towards the, the end of the week. It might only be short term as we wait for players to transition teams. So you will have, again, probably, let's say, 20 to 35 players. You might have 10 deals that happen. So 20 to 35 players changing teams. Some of them rotation guys, some of them not. But impacting maybe 15 teams in the NBA, maybe maybe less, maybe more, maybe 10 teams, whatever, opening up short-term stream options. That is where you get to the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where you can add the guys who have long-term value from the trade. And when those options are exhausted, you look at who gets the short-term boost across the final games of the week. The schedule is pretty quirky this week, honestly. The Thunder, do not play a game Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So three games off in the middle of the week with no game on. It's interesting. The Jazz and the Wolves are a two-game teams. After Thursday, they do not play. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you've got fringe players, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed, the Jazz, probably... Maybe John Collins, probably not though. Maybe. Kelly Linick. But who knows? Trades might happen. But remember, if Minnesota and Utah are involved in trades, they, they don't play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So any value that might appear to be there short term, you can't capitalize. Whereas Portland and Denver, they don't play until Thursday. So there's no game for Portland or Denver until the trade deadline has passed. So you're holding on to a Scoot Henderson or a Jabari Walker. You less names there in Denver, but you get nothing from them to begin the week and you hope that something happens deadline-wise to open things up for them. But... This is where we run into the problem. Like, what do you do with a Malcolm Brogdon, who is getting a lot of minutes at the moment, obviously, but I'd be very shocked if he's playing 35 a night all season. And is he worth holding for three zeros to begin the week with the chance that the next time that you could actually use him, he's playing 26 minutes for another team and then doesn't play at all this week while he gets resettled? That's risky. I don't think I would drop Malcolm Brogdon because it is hard to drop someone who is getting 34 minutes currently. But there's a distinct possibility you get... Zero games out of Brogdon this week. That, that's possible. Doesn't play until Thursday. Traded at the deadline. Doesn't play for his new team. That's risky. Portland, Detroit, the Spurs, and the Wizards do not play their first game until Wednesday. So they don't have a game Monday, Tuesday. So again, that is one of those situations where just have a look at those fringy sort of players on your team. Um, are they worth holding? But make the moves before week 16 starts you can pre-set yourself up in week 16 by making some of these moves on Sunday of week 15 depending on what your matchup looks like how close you are to winning but you can make those moves get your waiver streams in at the end of week 15 to count for to count the games in week 16 without using a waiver ad from week 16 i hope that i hope that makes sense i think i think it does three game in four night sections so The first line there is really important. Charlotte, the Clippers, the Heat, and the Raptors play three games in four nights, Sunday through Wednesday. So what does that mean? When you're adding someone because you want them to play on Sunday to end Week 15, these are the teams you look at because you get two games in the Monday-Wednesday portion before the deadline. You haven't wasted a waiver move and you've got a little bit of a bump there. Charlotte, Clippers, Heat, Raptors. Now, it can all come undone because Charlotte might make a trade on Monday and throw things out there. But look, you've got Powell, you've got Westbrook, you've got... um, Whoever the hell it is in Charlotte that's going to step up. like I don't know. Cody Martin, I guess. We don't know if LaMelo's going to play or whatever. Miami's um, you know, cavalcade of 25-minute bench legends. Highsmith, Huckers, uh, Martin, Richardson, those sort of players. And the Raptors, Trent, Brown, are they going to be on the team past Thursday? It doesn't really matter because you can get them in on, Thursday, on Sunday, get three games in four nights, and then move on later on if you need to. So that's really a strong focus, I think. Monday through Thursday to begin the week, it's Brooklyn, Cleveland, Dallas, and the Warriors who play three games in four nights. Tuesday to Friday, it's only the Bucks who have got that busy middle portion of the week. Wednesday through Saturday, a lot of teams are jam-packed full of games. That's why I don't really understand what is happening, but what it does mean for us from a fantasy perspective is with so many games concentrated in the Wednesday to Saturday period of the week and with trades going on, is that your um, players who you would add because they've got a temporary short-term boost, you've got at least a lot of games you can get those guys in. So Atlanta, key target. Maybe it's a Kobe Bufkin moment. Maybe it's or a or I don't know. Charlotte, key target. Cleveland, not so much. Detroit, maybe. Warriors, not really. Pelicans, probably not. Sixers, maybe. Spurs, probably not. Toronto, yes. Washington, yes. Some big values might be opening. Might be Kispert that's opening up there in Washington. It might be Bilal. I don't know. There's a lot of things that can happen there, and that is an interesting portion of the week. Thursday through Sunday, like I said, no three-game in four-night. Four games in six. Charlotte and Milwaukee and Toronto, Thursday, uh, Sunday through Friday. Now, it's, it's not as important, again, because everything's going to be upended middle of the week, but they've got a busy start to the week. Monday through Saturday, a lot of teams, because there's only two games on Sunday, so a lot of your four-game teams are going to be, I think that's nearly all... No, nine out of our 10 four-game teams are finished by Saturday. They don't play on Sunday. Atlanta, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Cleveland, Dallas, the Warriors, Pelicans, Sixers, and Raptors. If we look at... Finally, we haven't had one of these for a long time, but there actually are two teams that have five games in seven nights. It is the teams that I've mentioned a lot here, Charlotte and Toronto. Starting on Sunday, finishing on Saturday, they have five games in seven nights. Very busy portion of the schedule. Both teams could be heavily involved in trades. Very interesting to add them Sunday to get the early season, early week boost. Gary Trent, Bruce Brown, Dennis Schroeder, uh, maybe Thad Young, probably not. Uh, PJ Washington, if he's there. Uh, Cody Martin, just a lot of, obviously, Nick Richards, if he's there. Uh, a busy, busy period for those teams. Five games in eight, well, it's the same for the Raptors and the Hornets. They, they're Sunday to Sunday's five in eight, but they're a five and seven, as we said. And Monday to Monday, a lot of five in eights. Atlanta, Charlotte, Charlotte, just a hugely busy schedule. Uh, Cleveland, Dallas, Warriors, Pelicans, Sixers, and Raptors, and the Raptors, too. Just a very, very busy schedule for these teams. I think that means they've got a six in... That's a six in eight for Charlotte and Toronto, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Man, that's rough. Six and eight. Wowee. I'm gonna go double check that. Pretty sure my maths is right. Sorry, I meant six in nine, not six and eight. Yes, they have six games in nine nights. Phew, that is uh that is busy. It's a lot of games. The back to back schedule, Sunday to Monday. we already talked about this. Charlotte, Toronto. You heard me say Charlotte and Toronto a few times? Yeah, Charlotte, Toronto. And the Clippers have got a Sunday, Monday back-to-back. So if Lamello does return, I'm going to guess he doesn't play both of those. Monday, Tuesday, it's the Nets and the Mavericks. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's the Heat. So that's, again, if you're using waiver moves at the beginning of Week 16, you can't actually benefit from a huge amount of back-to-backs to to begin the week. There's just not much going on there. Um, Again, and you can't get three games in three nights unless you're just burning way too many moves. Wednesday, Thursday, quite a bit of back-to-back stuff going on there. You've got Cleveland, Detroit, the Warriors, and the Spurs. That might be something to look at if moves are made ahead of the deadline, so pay attention a little bit there. Thursday, Friday, Denver, the Lakers, and the Bucks. That becomes interesting after the deadline. Although the only team there that really strikes me as a a trade team is the Lakers, but stuff might open up. Friday to Saturday, Saturday, the 11-game day, remember? Maybe streamable, maybe not. We've got seven teams who have the back-to-back. It's Atlanta, Charlotte, both trade teams. Houston, maybe. Pelicans, maybe. Sixers, probably. Toronto, yes. And Washington, yes. So big opportunities for a Friday-Saturday back-to-back for those teams. Friday-Sunday, which skips... The 11-game Saturday, we've got Boston and Sacramento. Probably not going to be trading with those guys. And then Saturday, Sunday, the only back-to-back team there is the Thunder. I think they make a low-level move for uh, another big man to come in as a backup. Um, Trading away like a a Trey man sort of a player is is my guess. Um, But they've got streaming options, especially with Jalen Williams out. Uh, and maybe still out then, but you've got the option of using a, a Lou Dort for your uh, disgusting pleasure. Uh, you've got a Cason Wallace, you've got an Aaron Wiggins, who you can ch- even a Josh Giddy if he was dropped. And if he was dropped, it's totally reasonable, but that becomes a streaming option for you there. If we're going to go to weekly ads, which we are, um, only four guys really stood out. I'm using my 39% rostered cutoff, and using a cutoff of about the top 125 projected players for the week. Top 100, 130, I think I used as a cutoff. Brad Pajemski with four games. He was awesome last game. I'm not sure I believe that 36 minutes for him is going to be the case because it, will, well, it does require benching Clay Thompson, which I'm not sure they do, but good value. Io Dassumu's three games puts him into a startable category because remember, 16 teams play three games. You don't need four games to be a solid startable player. is one of them. I've got Mo Bamba there because he plays four games. So gets the advantage there. He might play 18 minutes a night. He might push to 22 on one of them. They play four games and beat us out. He might block eight shots in that time. I think he he's borderline. Him and John Concha, who are the two last names on the list, they're borderline 12 team starts for the week in a weekly situation. But they're there. And then as I said, Concha with three games. But how do I how do I trust the Grizzlies, man? It's so hard. That could easily become a two game week for Concha, and you're uh, in real strife. If we got to look at the two game teams. There are four of them. Who do we start? Who do we feel confident starting? Well, Jokic and Murray, for the Nuggets without any question, not starting Porter, not starting KCP, very obviously. I'm not starting uh, Maga Porter Jr. Just mixing both these nicknames together there. For the Wolves, I'd start Towns. I'd start Edwards. I would start Gobert. I would start all three of those guys. You might say, Gobert, really? Yeah, because... His overall rank numbers, never in a points league, I wouldn't start Gobert. In a category league, his rank number will look like he shouldn't. But of course, he's a punt free throw guy. He vaults way up and he moves into that that zone. So they're startable. Um Larry Markkinen is a startable player for Utah. I also think that Colin Sexton is a startable player for Utah. That's a little bit iffy with only two games because we know that he might just have this random game where it all goes wrong but he's a little bit there. And the other two are DeAndre Aiton and Anthony Simons. Now, when I project them out, they sort of sit on the borderline of what I would say is a clear start for a two-game week. Simons and Aiton are both playing well at the moment, but they've also shown over the last two weeks that they can have some absolute stinkers. And having an absolute stinker in a two-game week really does hurt. But once again, because we have got 16 teams playing three games, a two-game week is not as detrimental as it would be if 20 teams were playing four games for the week. And I said I wouldn't do this but I'm going to do it now just because we are six days away from the trade deadline. I've got three names on a trade deadline stash list and I'll tell you who they are, but you can see them if you're watching. One's in or The reason I don't really consider him a stash is he just should be rostered anyway. But we saw last game he outplayed Clink Capella again. Capella's only really getting 24 a night at the moment. Akongu is starting to look like the player that we've seen for three years prior. I don't know that Capella gets traded, but what I am feeling a little bit more now is I feel more confident that a Kongu is going to get 25 minutes every night regardless. And has a chance to be a 30 minute a night player. So now like just make sure he's on a roster. The next one is Scoot Henderson. He was amazing yesterday. He somehow oh, he's missed like one free throw, I think, in his last three weeks. Big minutes last game with Jeremy Grant out. They played small with Simons, Brogdon, Scoot all on the court together. I don't know whether they do that. They were playing Scoot like 22 minutes beforehand, but there is a chance that A, he's figuring it out because he, he actually looks really good at the moment, even though there's going to be... Previously, it was like one good game, three bad ones. Now we're getting closer to the two and two or even the three good, one bad. So it's pushing up. We just need those minutes consistency. It's going to get complicated when Shaden Sharp returns, obviously, but we're in the stage where I don't mind holding on to Scoot Um, I think he probably should at this stage. And the other one is Bilal Kulabali. We saw that game when Jordan Poole was out, that they did give him the opportunity to up his usage. Now, one thing with Hey, by the way, if Jordan Poole's on your wire, I would add him, Yeah, Josh, you love Jordan Poole, mate. You're just trying to make yourself look better. Yep, okay, sure. But also, under Brian Keefe, I don't think it's arguable, but Poole has looked better. His minutes are up. Instead of 29, he's getting 32-33 the last couple. He had nine assists last game. He's still maintaining somehow some defensive stats. The shot is all over. It's terrible. But I wouldn't rule out. I wouldn't bank on it. But I wouldn't rule out like a top 60 run from Paul over the fantasy playoffs. Wouldn't rule it out. Um, But yeah, Bilal, if they trade Kuzma, if they trade, um, who's the other bloke, Tyus, there's an opportunity for Bilal to step up there. Um, Unless his fantasy game's not as good, I don't think overall as a Kongu, obviously. And probably not as good as the optimized Scoot. But they're, they're the guys I look at. There's no one who really other stands out to me as like, this is the guy you want. And like I've said all year, it's been and one of those new things I've talked about is when we're talking replacements in fantasy, the things that we look at usually to get the most value is who is the replacement point guard? Who is the replacement center? And that were the ones we had success with last season. Jakob Pertl, Zach Collins. Yeah, you know, People were dropping Purdle in San Antonio last season. They said, don't. He's going to be traded to a better situation. Hold him. Add Zach Collins because Zach Collins is going to be very good. Add Mark Williams because Mason Plumlee is going to be gone, but very clear one to one centre replacements. They're the ones we look at. And the other one are point guards. So a Kongwu centre replacement, Scoot point guard replacement if Brogdon's gone. Bilal's a little different because he plays like the two, three, four. But the fact that he's already getting 27, 28 minutes a night means that if someone's moved on, he can go from 28 to 32. But it's more important for him the usage versus a straight minutes for minutes replacement. But as a general rule, there's no other clear, very clear last season, the obvious. Zach Collins, Mark Williams, they were very clear to me as those moves to make. There was one other, and I can't really remember what it was. But they were very obvious that Plumlee would be moved on from and that Perda was going to be moved on from. Those opportunities don't really stand out to me this season. So, like, it might seem obvious that Capella's going to get traded. I don't think that it is. It might seem obvious that Brogdon's going to get traded. I don't think that it is. It might seem obvious that Tyce is going to get traded. I also don't think that it is. But I think that they've got higher chances than other people. So that's where we sit with that. And that, I'll give you one last go at it, is the end of the week 16 schedule preview. Save your waiver wire ads. Or at least preserve flexibility. Prioritize flexibility. Guys, you know what to do. Go and hit the pre-bang over on the live trade deadline show Thursday, February 8, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, like this show, double bang it. Subscribe, bells, all that stuff. We're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.